Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. Do not forget to buy lentils, or the lentil soup you're making for dinner will be sorely lacking. By the way, Mrs. Calloway says thanks for helping her bundle home and auto. She appreciates the extra savings, even though you kept using the word apropos incorrectly. But the main thing is do not forget to buy, uh, what was it? Something apropos, the lentil soup. Sorry, I'll call you back. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Westwood One presents The Pollsters. The Pollsters. And now, Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week, we bring you the polls driving the news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So Kristen's back, although we had a really lovely... So she had a break and a birthday, which is very exciting. So send your happy birthday tweets uh, to her. And we had a really great fill-in guest with my colleague, Kylie McGee. Oh my gosh, she was so great. It was fun listening to the episode... Not knowing what was going to happen. Like I downloaded it, was listening to it on my flight back. It was so great. Yes, it is good to listen to it without having, at least when I listen to it, like that pain of like, no, don't say, why did you say that? Why do you sound like that? Conversation with myself. And instead you're like, oh, that's so interesting. Wow. So we're going to have Kylie. We will for sure have Kylie back. I'm glad folks liked it. We got a lot of good folks from her methods peeps out in the world who tweeted us nice thoughts. And if you have, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. I know lots of you are here for Trump, but it is it is interesting and accessible. Well, so and you should was, go listen to I it. I actually, over the course of the last few days, have had some questionnaires where in one case I had been advocating for adding a neutral midpoint yeah. to a question because I thought that it was important that we give people the option of saying, I really just don't care and don't have an opinion on right. this. Now, after listening, I have rethought that position. Yeah, I am. I am open to the idea that there should not be a neutral midpoint on this. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, it so was, it it's, was good. <laughs> it's definitely cool. So take a listen. Um, but we're back to the usual kinds of topics, and you know, there's a lot of anxiety out there. Despite Kristen being well rested and and us not talking about Trump last week, we're back to it, which made me think of the song. This is kind of my effort to try and. You know, do a little self care, and this was the best I could come up with as a song <laughs> that maybe you can relate to. <laughs> I was advocating for a Newsies song. I was like, <laughs> I think a little more upbeat. Yeah. I don't know. This is just the kind of vibe that's out there in the world right now. <laughs> but Michael Stipe is here to reassure you from the past to reassure you that. At least we're in it together. That's what we can say. Anyway, what are the- <laughs> I'm laughing at the pain here. Um, so what are the top lines? The little things. Okay, so the top lines. 
Uh, Trump and the media are at war. Surprise, surprise. The Washington Post gets a super dark new tagline. What's the latest in the battle between the media and the president? And when is a poll not a poll? We will briefly discuss why we are not going to discuss a certain data collection scheme that made news as if it was a poll. Trump's month one is in the books. How is he faring? We will talk about what's going on with his approval numbers. Um, Depression and anger. We've got some fresh polling on what's stressing people out. And I've got a little bit of data analysis on what makes people swear at their cable company on Twitter. Um, We will also talk a little bit about the Oscars coming up on Sunday. But first, the poll of the week. Some good news. People are warming up to people from other religious groups. Yeah, this is from Pew. And this is really good news, folks. So, uh, you know, it didn't get as many clicks as some of our other bad news polls that we post on Facebook and Twitter. Um, But this is really great news. I think folks should be really, you know, pleased about this. So Pew had a mean thermometer rating. Remember, we talked about thermometer ratings with Kylie last week. So this is a good use of one, how people would rate um, different religions uh, and how they feel toward different religions. And every, feelings toward every single religion tested, including non-religion, including atheists, have moved just from 2014 to 2017, so not, you know, way, way back, just in the last few years, uh, views toward every religion have either improved or stayed really exactly the same. Um, and that's true for atheists and Muslims who, while at the bottom of this list, have jumped up about 10 points in the feeling thermometer over just the last few years. And that increase has happened not just with certain groups, it's happened with Democrats and Republicans. There's, you know, while there are some predictable differences between the parties in, in, in which religious groups are at the top of the list versus the bottom of the list. Republicans are more likely to be favorable toward evangelical Christians um, than Democrats are. Um, Democrats are more likely to be favorable toward Jews, you know, at least in terms of the ranking compared Jews to Republicans. Jews and Catholics are pretty popular on both lists. Jews and Catholics are pretty popular. There was a time where that wasn't so, but not in the last three years. Um, and, uh, you know, you have Mormons toward the bottom of the list among Democrats, more mid-pack among Republicans. Regardless, I think this is still pretty good All news. All the signs are pointing in a positive direction. Yeah. So we'll leave it at that. We won't say what <laughs> will come next or what we think about the climate. We're just going to leave it here with a piece of good news in our poll of the week before we get to everything else we have to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Donald Trump. Yes. We have to. He's we the have president. To. This is dominating everything. There is an interesting piece. Uh, So while I was gone, I tried very hard not to read the news too much. And I failed somewhat in in that effort. I mean, there were a couple of days when I didn't read things, but I was also – I was not just on vacation. I was at a conference. And so having some information like, hey – Mike Flynn is stepping down as national. Like the, it was you important had to, know. to know these things. So I tried to zone out and just look at whales jumping off the coast, but that only works so long. Um, but there was an interesting article. Someone else last week tried to have a week without Trump news. And it's a great column. Um, I'll have to send you a link, Marjorie, so we can put it in show notes or something. But it was about how it's almost impossible to avoid Trump news Oh, now. yes, I did read yeah, that. Because even things that are not about Trump, like there's some kind of Trump angle yeah. in the story. Like it is 
you cannot escape it. So There was a time when every news outlet was just constantly writing about Sarah Palin, no matter what Sarah Palin did, and that's what people clicked on. And then there was a lot of writing about why it was bad to write about Sarah Palin for clicks. And, you know, this was when she was not a candidate or in office anymore. She was just out there doing stuff. And, you know, that was enough to generate coverage. And then all of a sudden it went away. People stopped clicking on it. She was not really generating news and clicks. And then it, it just went – it just sort of burned itself out. We don't have – that luxury. He is the president, and he's it's just not burning itself out. It's not going to burn itself out. I, I mean, may be burnt out. Yeah, so we may be burnt out, but but anyway, that's sort of out. comparable, the only comparable thing in recent memory, at least from politics. So yeah, I mean, it was basically you can't overstate the dominance that he has in terms of media, um, and that by extension for polling also. Um, and one of the, t- you know, sort of more staid metrics out there is just looking at his approval rating. His approval rating, if you look at the Huffington Post pollster average, he's more, di- you know, more disapprove than approve. He's about, you know, about half on their average uh, disapprove compared to 43% approve. And But it's not as though, you know, the last month has been – the consensus is that the last month was a very rocky month for the the Trump White House, that it was marked by chaos and controversy. And and yet it's it doesn't look like his approval ratings. Have, I mean, they already started pretty low. So it's not like he had some honeymoon that he's coming down from. But honestly, 43 percent job approval on average to me seems I mean, that's sort of the numbers that we were talking about when he first took office. Yeah. So it's not as though there has been like a deep, deep cratering. Um, no, now, but they're not good. I mean, they're not good. Uh, oh, in the overall as, and you know, my grandpa this, would have called this like the crapper, I think. In the, uh, the technical sure. <laughs> in, in historical terms. And what's interesting is in this Huffington Post pollster analysis, it seems like they find something kind of interesting about when the poll comes out in the week, that if you have surveyed people where the poll is coming out, uh, it's a well. Hang on. It's it's the one variable that's related to Trump's actual performance as president it's is the timing week. of the poll. Yeah. Right. So he's losing per three percentage points in net approval each re- each week across the first four weeks. Yeah. So it's getting worse. So not by a lot. It's getting worse slowly but surely. But it's but it's not. It has not been like he started off with a honeymoon and then it cratered. It's just sort of right. like. It started off in a not great place. It's getting still in a not great place. Yes. And that, uh, they argue, they did some modeling, is the biggest driver of approval rating that's actually tied to his job, his actual job. And the other things are more methodological in nature. So the biggest predictor of approval rating is whether or not the poll was conducted by Rasmussen. I mean, that more than any other variable more than whether you're talking to registered voters or likely voters, whether it's uh, automated or internet poll versus live call poll, all these theories that people have been discussing a little bit, which, you know, have do play a role. Um, but Rasmussen in particular is an outlier, they note, um, more so than, than other polls. And so when you're looking at, uh, the p- polling on approval rating and you're thinking, well, I don't believe this poll or I look at that poll, I mean, refer back to their chart, which we'll link to in the show notes. It's very helpful, um, to see at least so far what's playing a role. But I still, still overall, the pattern shows a trend down, not dramatic. 
downward. And one question that I've been asked recently um, was, you know, so how is it possible that you would get such a big gap between two polls? You know, if if theoretically you've got a Rasmussen that's a reputable pollster in the minds of, you know, and they say, oh, well, Rasmussen shows he's doing so much better and they're surveying, you know, registered voters or likely voters or whatever that looks like. Why is that different from surveying all adults? What's the difference there? Um, and typically, and the Huffington Post pollster folks find this too, that if you're polling registered voters, so you're excluding anybody who's not currently registered to vote, it gives Trump a boost because something that we know to be true is that uh, Americans uh, overall tend to lean a little more left. Um, when you just look at registered voters, it leans uh, – you're losing some folks that are politically left-leaning but just aren't typically as engaged. So that's why you'll see Trump doing better among a slightly narrower screen. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming most of these public polls are not done with a voter file. So we don't know for sure that they're confirmed registered Right. Voters. It's just uh, self-report. Report. Self-report. But anyway, go check it out. And uh, it's interesting. And then there are other folks who've been comparing historical data of approval rating, like Gallup in particular. I mean, Pew has showed similar ratings too. But, you know, here's the real trend. These numbers that are in what my grandpa, late grandpa would have called the crapper are really, it's driven by non-Republicans. His ratings with Republicans are not bad. They are consistent with where other Republicans have been. So if you look at Gallup, his approval rating with Republicans is 87%. George Which is w- higher than any other president besides George W. Bush. Yes. But for this particular- For Republicans. For mid-February, for this particular moment. So we're not even looking, you know, we're comparing apples to apples, truly. And his numbers are are better, right, than any other Republican aside from W for this particular moment. Um, but his numbers with Democrats, he has 8% approval rating with Democrats. There is no Republican who gets into single digits. The lowest Republican president who in mid-February, their rating with Democrats, the lowest one was W with 31. I mean, that's so a lot higher than that's eight. That's huge. And, and among independents, you see a similar thing, that independents, um, the only time that a new a new president in mid February has been underwater with independence was I guess if we're counting Bill Clinton Bill Clinton had this sort of like notoriously rocky start right. to his presidency um but we don't know if he was underwater because it was 49 we don't know he if he was underwater been, but, but it's under great. 50% yeah. not great um so usually independents are giving the new president regardless of what party they're in some kind of number in the 50s 60s you know so 35 that's bad Eight from Democrats. I mean, it's for for listeners who are my age and younger. It may be kind of hard to remember what it was really like when George W. Bush was first elected, uh, but it was that was a, an insanely divisive time. I remember yeah. more because I was in Florida at the time. Yeah, but I mean, it was divisive because people were like felt nervous the about the results. Yes, um, yeah, and so the, the the fact that right now it is so much worse with Democrats and Independents, I think, is just like wow. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the poll that we did here at PSB a little bit later, but you know, unifying the country was one of the lowest ratings that Trump has gotten. You could see that here in these numbers. I mean, obviously, he's not making efforts to to, to extend an olive branch, and an olive branch not received. <laughs> a message, message of no olive branch received by Democrats <laughs> and independents, for sure. Um, Pew shows a totally similar thing. They have a different yeah. way of showing it. Gallup has a table. Pew has like this, um, it's not a scatter plot, but like a, a dot uh, 
graph a kind of way of instead of bars that can show graphically the huge disparity between Trump's uh, ratings with Democrats and Republicans that you simply don't see with past presidents where there's a little bit more a little bit less of that space between D's and R's. But then there's some other interesting survey work that Pew did where they were trying to gauge how people think about Trump on different uh, sort of traits. And so predictably, we see Democrats not having a very positive view about Donald Trump on really any traits. I think the best trait that they show for him is 39 percent of Democrats who say, well, he keeps his promises. They may not like the things that he has promised, but eh, 39 percent say he keeps his promises. Um, That's also the highest attribute uh, sort of overall among Republicans. Ninety percent say Trump keeps his promises. Um, Among Republicans, he is viewed as having a lot of these good attributes, strong leader, able to get things done, good manager, cares about people like me. Good manager. That's the one where I think if that one I think if that one falls and he starts losing – well, that's – this is my theory of the case is that if Donald Trump begins losing good manager and strong leader and able to get things done, that – it's not that if he saw atrophies on like good communicator and well-informed, I think there are – Plenty of people who sort of have doubts about those. Yeah, he's and never, those, those have never been his thing. Those are not the, the strongest suits, even among Republicans. Um, but it's it's those sort of good manager thing. Right now, 87 percent of Republicans think Trump is a good manager, only 17 percent of Democrats. Um, now, the, the attributes where Trump does the worst are not ones where you – know, because Democrats don't think he does good at pretty much anything. Um, the ones where he does the worst overall are where Republican support really falls off. And that's on a good communicator. And even-tempered. Those are the two things that even Republicans in far smaller numbers think Donald Trump embodies. That's where there's the most agreement to the extent there's any agreement is on the fact that Donald Trump is not even-tempered. But I think the widest gap here – I'm doing sort of like quick math in my head. It seems like the biggest gap is on cares about people like me where – you have uh, – for some of these top traits, you have, again, 17, 21 percent. You know, about one in five Democrats will concede that Trump has some of these good attributes. But on cares about people like me, only 11 percent of Democrats think Trump cares about people like them. In contrast, 84 percent of Republicans yeah. think Trump cares about people like them. Yeah. No, it's – I mean, it's really astounding. OK. So we did this poll, too. It shows something very – quite similar where – and this is at PSB and we released it. It was in Politico um, over the weekend. Uh, and we asked people a similar kind of list, uh, but how is Trump doing compared to expectations? Do you think he's doing this more than you expected, less about what you expected? Um, and we have things like going too far, getting sidetracked by things that aren't important, getting things done, keeping promises that you see in other polls, causing our country serious harm, surrounding himself with best people. We use some of his language, you know, keeping America safe, making America great again, draining the swamp, etc. Um, and he gets the best ratings on two positive traits. Uh Getting things done and keeping his promises—that's similar mm-hmm. to the Pew poll. He also gets stronger, the strong, like almost identical stronger ratings on going too far and getting sidetracked by things that aren't important. So, and those aren't inconsistent. I mean, obviously there are different people rating him strongly there, but they're also not completely at odds. You can think he's getting things done, but those things are going too far. Um, and it, it's you know I've heard it in focus groups. You see it in some of the other you know the Pew polling we just talked about. So it's it's quite interesting where. The, where he's getting the worst numbers are things like unifying the country, being transparent about his business practices, draining the swamp. Um, that's where he's seen as doing worse than expected um, and very few just 
you know, like a quarter at most say he's doing that those things more than expected. So in, in your poll, how many people – are Trump regretters? You so, have this interesting crosstab here. I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated by so it. So we, may, you know, we define it kind of broadly because ultimately there aren't. You know, I know there's been some coverage about mm-hmm. the regretters on Twitter, like, "Hey, I voted for you, man," but blah blah blah. Um, you know, there's been a couple different uh, outlets that have talked about that in a more qualitative way. Um, we wanted to have a group that we could look at. So we looked at people who moved in some way. They don't have to necessarily say, "I regret my vote," because that, you know. It, that's a strong thing to say. Yeah. But you could have moved in intensity. So if you said you were enthusiastic in November, now you're not enthusiastic, but still a Trump supporter. If you had a revote today, you'd be an unenthusiastic Trump voter. That's we include you in this group. Okay. If you were uh, an unenthusiastic Clinton voter, and now you are an enthusiastic Clinton voter, you would also be in this group. If you were a Trump voter and now you've just moved and you're like, now I'm voting for Jill Stein or now I'm moving for Clinton, yeah. um, you would also be in this group. So this is just people who've moved in a, like a real step away from Trump. And it's about 11% of adults. And um, they – you know, they are very similar to Clinton voters, particularly on going too far. So that's where they're most similar, things like going too far. That in the regression points to, you know, that's what the regression suggests, defines them or uh, can help determine whether or not you're in this group is whether or not you think Trump is going too far more than you expected. About 58% of these regretters say that he's going too far more than they expected. 57% of Clinton voters say that. So, and this is not an overwhelmingly Democratic group, but it is more Democratic than than Trump voters, obviously, than like the total of Trump voters. Um, but even, you know, I mean, even Trump voters, 11 percent say he's going too far more than they expected. You know, and about half say uh, about as much, which, you know, you're not we can't measure it by this question. Did you think he, that's a lot or not a lot, you know, going too far? So there's a lot of different layers. But po- folks should take a look. We have some charts in the memo, which we'll link to. Um but yeah, I mean, lots of different ways to figure out what is the effect of Trump's behavior so far. As we say, said, the numbers have not moved dramatically. There aren't massive numbers of voters who have moved away from him, either in terms of their approval rating or in terms of their vote. Um, even though these numbers aren't great, most of it's coming from his, outside his base. There's a Pew number that just came out as we were dry, all driving in today that showed that I don't know if it was Republican voters or Trump voters said that they trusted Trump more than Republican leadership. Yeah, that was that's a number that we don't we, ha- have to talk about we, today, but that I think I is think like just came one out. of the most important numbers that is going to define what happens in Washington and in the it's next con- 12 and months. It, wasn't there something, the same number or something similar right after the election or right before the election? Yeah, who and, would you trust if, if Paul Ryan and Donald Trump disagreed, who would you right. agree with more? And it was like a very surprisingly high percentage of Republicans said Donald Trump. Yeah, and so that's... I mean, that is really I mean, for folks saying, well, why aren't Republicans in the House and Senate standing up to them? I mean, that is why. And so they mm-hmm. go home and they're getting faced with protesters at town halls. And, I mean, they are really in a rock between a rock and a barn place. They are getting, you know, the blame and, you know, none of the quote unquote credit for anything. I mean, that does not sound like a fun time to be in Congress. No, it doesn't. I mean, I know it's not a vacation, but. Man, does it not sound fun right now. No. Um, anyway, so then this leads us to the question, well, how are people consuming all the information? Because obviously Chris and I spend a lot of time of our day following 
all things Trump and trying to avoid all things Trump. I did not watch this press conference. It was, (laughs) I was recording with Kylie and then like I came out, I'm like, there's, I'm like, this is still happening. They're like, people are still talking about this. And I was like, oh God, I guess I gotta, I gotta watch. And it was pretty, it was pretty cuckoo, but people were tweeting like, hey, I'm in X, X place that's not Washington or New York. And everyone here says, go get them, you know? So this question about how people view the press conference is kind of a mirror, you know, Mm -hmm. lens through which we can view this sense of how are people consuming news about Trump? Are they getting a different perspective, particularly his base, than everybody else's? And folks who watched it were more likely to say they strongly approved than folks who watched it less. Yeah, that, that if you're if you're somebody that likes Trump, you are consuming you 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 know tw- over 20% of people who strongly approve said that they watched the whole press conference. Um another 20% said they at least watched part of it. Um uh, slightly less than 20% said that they watched clips, but you didn't have you only had like you know about 25%ish of so or so of people who like love Donald Trump say that they didn't consume any of this press conference. Meanwhile, if you are a somewhat approve or somewhat disapprove, you're already kind of mushy like over half were like I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't watch this press conference at yeah. all. But then among the strongly disapprove, the Trump the Trump haters, very few watched the entire press conference, so very few people that like loathe Trump subjected themselves to the whole thing. Um, but an awful lot did consume clips or highlights or read news about it. So it is interesting. If you love him, you're like mainlining the straight feed. Yeah. If you're ambivalent, you have other things to do and you didn't care. And if you hate him, you are not mainlining the straight feed, but you are consuming him through the filter of other media or yeah. clips or what have you. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, it, this is also from YouGov. If you look at Clinton voters versus Trump voters, I mean, they're almost like puzzle pieces in how they view – you know, these, uh, uh, you know, the press conference. I mean, you look at Clinton voters. Do you think, uh, did you think Trump treated the media fairly or unfairly? Um, Clinton voters overwhelmingly say unfairly. Trump voters say overwhelmingly fairly. And it's, and the numbers are almost identical. Yeah. And just flipped. It's very yeah. funny. 7% of Clinton voters think that Trump treated the media, uh, think that Donald Trump treated the media fairly. 88% say unfairly. And then you ask – so A, you have the flip-flop between Clinton and Trump voters, whether they think Donald Trump treated the media fairly or unfairly. Then when you reframe the question, do you think – they asked one question about how Trump treats the media. They asked another question about how the media treats Donald Trump. Now, what's interesting here is one out of five Trump voters – think the media is treating Donald Trump. There's fairly. your there's your opportunity. That's the only thing that is not one of these weird like single digits versus yeah. 88% crazy gaps. Yeah. For Trump voters, there is a small slice of them, but a non-insignificant slice of them that does not think that the media is evil and horrible. Yeah. I mean, the, I, there's definitely a lot to this like you know, people are avoiding or following news that they want you know they're they're avoiding news that they don't want they're following news that they want and to reinforce their own views or at least just to not hear bad news and new york times did something with um uh i guess an analytics firm i don't have the link but it was interesting where they showed that for conservatives they just would avoid out they would avoid coverage of things like trump talking about you know crowd sizes and stuff that democrats spend a lot more time liberals spend a lot of time you know engaging with that kind of news to just yeah. kind of scratch that painful itch um 
well, conservatives were not doing that, but things that did not have that partisan base, like the D's and R's were engaging with in the same way. So that's, you know, and very similar to, I guess, how Donald Trump views the media. There was that story in Politico from a couple of days ago where his staff finds ways to provide, to seed him with favorable media so he doesn't literal fake news so he doesn't uh you know just tweet Uh. responses if he feels like someone's listening to him out there um which is pretty incredible one one thing that i i just there's one other poll that we've got in here about trump versus the media and i think this is quinnipiac it looks like quinnipiac's cross tabs i can i can tell it is it is that's a quinnipiac cross tab yes um they asked the question who do you trust more to tell you the truth about important issues trump or the news media Overall, news media wins 52-37 among Republicans. Republicans trust Trump over the media, 78-13. But then you go down to the second question they have, which is, do you approve or disapprove of the way Trump talks about the media? So this is this this is one of those debates that kind of like I roll my eyes out a little bit in the like the media loves talking about how Trump treats the media. And right. I don't I am just unconvinced that voters care. Even an iota as much as the media cares about how Trump talks about the media. Yeah. But nonetheless, on this question, you do have 23 percent of Republicans who disapprove of how President Trump talks about the media. Yeah. Which is kind of the similar, you know, you have that 20 percent in that question before that said, yeah, I think the media is treating Trump fairly. So there's this weird like 20 to 23 percent. They're probably the same Republicans who think he doesn't have the right temperament. Oh, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of overlap there. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's our that's go get them, Democrats. That's the group. <laughs> go that's get <laughs> Republicans that love the New York Times. All all six of them. Um, no. So then then there was this one thing that we got a ton of tweets about. Are you guys gonna comment on this insane poll that the Trump people did? Now, this is fake. This, this is, is a fake This is poll. fake. This is not and, – and this is not just something that Trump invented yesterday. Political organizers and fundra- online fundraisers and list builders love doing these like take this poll to tell us what – I mean I've got – I used to get these in the mail. Like when I made yeah. the mistake of giving like 20 bucks to the RNC back like when I was in college. Why I didn't spend that on – beer i don't know but i you know <laughs> then all of a sudden you start getting the direct mail like the, yes. the junk mail and it would include like surveys time like, sensitive survey time sensitive survey send us back what you think so like the the abuse of oh we're totally doing a survey but it's not actually a survey it's just a fundraising or list building oh, gimmick yes. this is ta- a time-honored tradition but this just got people particularly stirred up because it was called a mainstream media accountability survey. Um, And it had these questions, do you trust the mainstream media to tell the truth about the Republican Party's positions and actions? Yes, no, no opinion, other please specify. Uh, Do you believe that the media unfairly reported on President Trump's executive order, temporarily restricting people from, you know, like it's it's all. It's just uh, like, think of every possible ridiculously worded question and that's what this poll is. Do you believe that political correctness has created biased news media? I mean, these are things that like none of these questions would pass the laugh test. Even I am a Republican pollster. I am I am Republican. I would n- never advise a client. Uh, it was probably not designed by a pollster to be. I, no, because that's not the point. Yeah. The point is that is not that they are accurately trying to gauge what percentage of Americans say yes to the question. Quote: 
Do you believe that contrary to what the media says, cutting tax, raising taxes does not create jobs? Like, wait a minute. Hang on. Has the media ever said raising taxes creates jobs? Is that a thing? It's just it, the whole a, thing. Is that a thing? The whole thing is cuckoo. Thing. <laughs> and then at the end, they also ask for money, which of course is not is also not standard because right. in fact, you would say the opposite often in the beginning of research thing like, we're, we're going to pay you. We're not going to ask you for money. This is not a sales call. We're not asking for money. You're not going to be added to a list based on anything that you say. So, um, so this was the opposite of that. And what was funny though, what made it particularly enjoyable out there on the internet is that um, you know, people were getting worked up about this and then they were responding to it. You know, folks on the left were trying to game <laughs> the results of this fake thing. Don't and, waste your time, guys. Uh, don't waste your time. But then didn't the Republican, I don't know who it was, who then said, oh, you know, our poll is rigged. We got to, you know, de- people, invaders are coming to mess with our poll. We got to like do do it again or do something with I, I mean I didn't want to waste my time following this rabbit hole. I'm like why it, why is there still why are more people still talking about this? Like there's a fake poll. Let's try to rig the fake poll. Well now we need to unrig our rigged fake poll. But it just makes it makes no sense. And then we are so through the looking glass. I mean, through, and then Alexandra uh, Petrie at the Washington Post who's pretty funny did oh like gosh, like her great. answers to the questions. And the the one that I thought was the funniest was like <laughs> the questions was Do you believe the media uses slurs rather than facts to attack conservative stances on whatever? And her response was survey who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically like how we feel about all this. Um, one other thing that would probably so if you're sort of thinking <laughs> no, like this is this hurts me that we're talking about this. Help! Right now. I have to escape. Where do I do? What do I do? I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Don't worry. There's 2020 polling. Oh God, no! There's Make 2020 it stop. polling. It's never too early to think about. <laughs> What can we do to get Donald Trump out of office? Um, and there, in fact, has been polling. This oh is Politico. God, we have to have another election. Morning consult. I mean, I'm excited. To well, democracy. But- hey, you know, maybe oh. we have it sooner. I don't know. But so, right, you know, it's 42% Trump, 36% Warren. Um, he loses to a generic Democrat. So that's where no name is put in. If Donald Trump's running, would you vote for Trump or the Democrat? You know, no name. There he's 35 to 43. Elizabeth Warren has 67% name ID, um, and, you know, some may find her polarizing. I don't know. But Trump, the fact that Trump is already losing the generic ballot one month in, I don't have any his- anything historic to compare it to. But that is bad news. Um, I wonder how the numbers would be different if you tested Pence. Like the idea of, like, Donald Trump gets two years in and is like, this is no fun. I'm going back to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Mike could happen. Over. It yeah. could happen. It can um, happen. I don't know. We don't know. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure somebody will do it. Um, so is this making you depressed? We had some folks on. We had a review on iTunes. And we love, we've gotten a rash of new reviews, which is really great. One of the reviews said, Margie, since the election, Margie sounds a little too depressed for me. <laughs> She's a cross between Eeyore and Chicken is this Little. Like, is this like when guys tell tell women, like, smile yeah is that the is the the this itunes like, review like podcast <laughs> I, I mean well and then i and then 
And I was talking about it with my husband. He's like, well, yeah, you do sound, he's like, you do sound, I'm like, well, I mean, I can't, you know, what am I supposed to do? Like, this is terrible. And then, um, and then someone else did a review, like, hey, Margie and Kristen talk about politics in a way that doesn't make me want to, you know, drive into a wall off the road. I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, well, I guess we'll I'll stick. I'll take it. I guess we'll stick with what we're doing. <laughs> so that was, uh, anyway, it's not just me. The APA shows an overwhelming number of Americans, about two-thirds, say that politics is causing them. The future of our nation is causing them a lot of stress. A majority say the political climate is causing them a lot of stress. Half say that a politi- the outcome of the election is causing them stress. More stress than lots of other things like uh, very- the economy, terrorism, and mass shootings. And it's very uh, geographically – concentrated. So they find that 62% of people in urban areas are very or somewhat stressed by the election outcome compared to only a third of people in rural areas. Um, Democrats are much more likely than Republicans to report the election as a significant sort of source of stress. Surprise, surprise. Um, but you still have 52% of Republicans who are citing the future of the nation as a significant source of stress. So that's why I, I assume that's why the future of the nation pops as the yeah. most – the thing that's stressing the most people out because it is much less partisan yeah. in how people view it. Yeah. I mean one thing that we are united about is that we are divided as a country. That's some, one of the things where there's very little partisan difference. And so you know, I think there are lots of Republicans who are worried about that division um, for sure. Um, even if they feel – which we have – there's other polling that shows that people feel – you know. Republicans feel more optimistic now about how things are going. They feel better about the economy. Those kinds of things just change dramatically for Republicans, worsened immediately for Democrats after the election. But in terms of the division, that everyone is on the same page, that it's pretty tough. Um, Okay. So there's another speaking thing. Of anger. Speaking of anger. Speaking of anger, I am so excited. So at Echelon, we have uh, Mike Christensen who works. Um, he, was, he was employee number three at Echelon. He's the first person I ever hired. Wow. It's so exciting. Um, and he's going to business school in a couple of months and it makes me so sad. Oh, no. Um, but So he's been with us since the beginning. And a project that he's been tackling over the last few um, months has been how do you measure anger – at brands. So you can do – there are all sorts of tools where you can do social media analysis to gather, you know, a sent, sentiment analysis, right? right. People positive or negative about a brand. But he didn't just want like positive or negative. Um, he wanted anger and like can you measure intensity of anger. So he, yep. he figured out this – he created this index of like how many tweets about different it, – it's not just cable companies. It's satellite providers, streaming services, streaming devices. Um, how many tweets – at or about these services have swear words in them. Wow. Or like he created this like index of all of these ways you can measure the wrath of people on Twitter um, and finds that it's cable companies that are getting the most Twitter hate, that there are far more people hating on Twitter companies – pardon me, on cable companies than on satellite, far more hating on satellite than on, say, streaming services or streaming devices um, – but one of the things that I thought was the most fascinating about his report, and you can find there's a brief write-up um, at Axios about our work, and then at uh, you can just go to echeloninsights.com, and there's you can get the full report with all of these fabulous charts that Mike That's did. That's so cool. Um, but one of the things that was cool was you can he doesn't just say okay, this many people are mad at 
X, Y, or Z. It also digs into why. So are the angry tweets related to a loss of service? Are they related to you don't have the programming I want? Why is this channel not working? Um, is it related to the repair guy didn't show up at my house? Like he also sifts through and figures out what are the things that make people the most ticked off. And so for cable companies, it's things like cost, like why is my bill so high? Mm-hmm. For satellite, like there's there's these huge spikes in anger around um, major sporting events mm. and like su- like Sundays in the fall, huge levels of anger at, at like uh, one of the satellite providers. Right, over, like if you have like a blackout for yeah, why you can't get me my game? This yeah. isn't this is crazy. So it's a whole analysis of what uh, makes people ticked off about the various ways that they get their uh, get their television. That's good. So. That means I should be even more – I guess does this mean that – what's the lesson for folks like me who like to tweet that they're angry at companies in hopes of so, someone paying attention to me more than wherever the service fell down? I can just go on Twitter and expect a complaint. Does this mean I should keep doing it? I guess we should see if companies respond to your report by saying, okay, we need to minimize anger or figure out how to address it. Part of the report, I think Mike looks in the report at how companies respond to people. And and there's there's one of these companies, I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but where he sort of calls them out as like they are the best at responding to people individually about problems. That like the ratio of angry tweets to the company tweeting back at people is like the highest. That's good. That out, so. That's good. Makes a difference. I'm going to keep doing that. I know lots of folks in the sort of DC Twitterverse use their Twitter capital to yep. get mad at companies. Chuck Todd them. follows me on Twitter. You better get me booked on that next Flight United. <laughs> you don't want me to let Chuck Todd know that you let me stranded here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, anyway, so we can continue to shake our fist at companies on Twitter. Vindicated. Good to know. Um, I almost tweeted a positive thing, by the way, at uh, TSA. Oh, that's good. Um, because my I flew up to Boston yesterday to do a panel, and my TSA experience at Reagan was lovely. Everyone oh, was that's super nice. nice. I breezed right through, and then on my way back, um, it was not. it was less positive. And you're like, but I so I, I feel like if I put the positive tweet out in the universe, I could have followed it up with a negative tweet. But it's all a wash. Yeah, no, world doesn't need any more negativity. I know, there. I know. It's just you know, it's one of my one of my post Trump. Decisions to try and be a little bit less negative, as evidenced by all the negativity I've poured out in this last half hour. Okay, Oscar polling. <laughs> I've seen one of these movies. I'm very pleased with myself, but lots of people haven't seen any of them. What do you think? We're looking at this. I'm sure you've seen more of these movies than I have. Um, so I let's imagine. see. For the Oscar Best Picture, I have seen. I'm pulling up the full list now. Um, a majority hasn't seen any of them. Over half wow. haven't seen any of the nine films. That seems kind of incredible. Uh, you know, I don't think that that surprises me so much because there's not there's not like a Titanic. Yeah. You know, there's not – Arrival is probably the, the – Arrival, La La Land, and Hidden Figures I think are the three on this list that probably had the most – Ads targeted at normal Americans to go see it. But, but, I mean, so I think the percentage seeing Arrival being so small surprised me – or the percentage seeing Arrival being so small kind of surprises me a little bit. Um, 
But yeah, uh, so the two on this list that I've seen, Arrival and La La Land, I wanted to see Hidden Figures. I haven't seen it yet. That's next on my list. I have no interest in seeing Manchester by the Sea because it, I read the Wikipedia about it and it sounds depressing as heck. Hell or High Not Water. Interested. Hell or High Not Water interested. was per- – that's the one I saw, which if I had to pick one to see, that wouldn't have been it. It was perfectly good, but it was not like a new – I don't th- – with, even without seeing any of these others, I don't think it's going to win because it doesn't – it's not like a movie nobody's ever seen before. It's like kind of a familiar thing, but was very – you know, it did a good job in its sort of cowboy – cowboy – cowboy movie theme. There was a, a- – uh, John Podoritz, uh, who does movie reviews, uh, he's sort of he's one of my conservative Twitter uh, folk, um, wrote an interesting column about how there are some of these movies that like he has kids and he just can't bring himself to go see. Like Lion is a movie all about like a kid who goes to a train station with his brother and they're like little kids and the brother winds up like going off to work and like dying on his way home from work and so then the other brother not knowing where where's his brother like gets on a train and just gets like lost in india and then winds up living with a family in australia and he's like no i'm not gonna see that i can't watch movies about like little kids just disappearing and never seeing their families again like okay all right this was supposed to be the fun segment i'm sorry no la la land let's talk about la la land i like musicals and uh do you want to do a musical episode next week i love musicals i love i love do not tempt me I will write a musical since I was a child. Okay, great. <laughs> That'll be a way to fix the gender imbalance in our audience <laughs> real fast. Okay, I'm coming for you, Lynn Manuel Miranda. <laughs> so just because something is called a poll doesn't mean it is a poll. But speaking of polls, if you're Donald Trump, there's a lot in the polling to be depressed about. But I guess he's not doing that badly in the 2020 horse race. Maybe compared to what all the coverage would t- would suggest. And if any of this is making you feel depressed, you're not alone. Everybody hurts sometimes. But have you heard the good news? People are feeling warmer to- toward other religions. That is actually really good news. Swing voters, stakes are high. Get out there. Check the record. You only have a few days left to make up your mind about what movies to root for. You don't want to cast your vote without all the facts, so we live with some sort of crazy Oscar Best Picture for the next year. The stakes are very high. Don't let another avatar happen, kids. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at, at the pollsters, individually at, at Margie O'Meara and at K. Soltis Anderson. You can find us on Facebook, where we post links throughout the week to stories that we think you'll find interesting. You can also visit us at www.thepolsters.com, where we have a variety of interesting polling resources as well as our show notes. So please come visit us there. Send in a review. Tweet at us. We love to hear from you. We love to get insights on what you want to hear us talk about. We write back sometimes. Show. We write back sometimes. It's good. It's fun. <laughs> we enjoy talking to you. That's right. Okay. Thanks. A Westwood One podcast production. When we listen to the radio, we never agree on the station. Classic rock. Hip-hop. Pop. Guys, quiet. The one thing we do agree on, we all want an awesome free phone. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four free phones of your choice from brands you love, like Samsung, Motorola, and LG when you switch. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Free phone requires port. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.